I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. You're listening to Chosen Family. It's a podcast. It's a live Facebook thing. It's a way of life. And it's produced and presented by the amazing people at FI. I'm Trana Winter. I'm Thomas LeBlanc. And And this this is is our show. Hello, everybody. This is it. Oh Welcome to Chosen Family. We're here. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. We're here at the Fi Center. There are cameras. There's a neon sign. There's Trana Wintour. Here's Thomas LeBlanc. We're in this black studio. It's very Charlie Rose. Very Larry King Live. We exist somewhere between the two of them, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and also like experimental television from the 60s and 80s. Yeah, we're I just like going to take that. you to all the places. All the places. We've been working so hard on this. We're so happy that you guys are here on Facebook Live or on podcast because it's a multimedia experience. Yeah. We're recording every second uh, Tuesday and then we'll be on iTunes and SoundCloud every Thursday following. Yes. It's really exciting. Trina, we've been working together for what? Uh, over a year now? Over a year. Over a year. I feel I know you, but I feel I don't sometimes. <laughs> who do you think you are, Chana Wintour? Are you really asking that right now? <laughs> I'm really dropping the Spice Girls to know who you are. Uh, oh, my God. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I just think I'm, I'm just a pile of cells, you know, <laughs> just making their way through the world like anybody else. You're kind of a hero in Montreal. Oh, like people, God. People start to see you. you, you you're gaining recognition. I mean, I don't ever want to be regarded no. as a hero. It's a lot it's too of pressure. Much. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. Just let me be, you know? Okay. You you have a, some stardust in you. I don't think every human being oh. is stardust, but you do. I'm going to get all of the <laughs> already. My God, it's just the first episode. It's the first episode. This is so exciting. So chosen family, obviously, is a queer term. Uh, that we came up with and we decided to make a show out of it. Well, we didn't come up with it. We didn't come up with it, but we decided to <laughs> but, take the term to kind of steal it. Yeah, because it makes sense in terms yeah. of everything that we do, whether, you know, what we do in a live show and what we're hoping to do here is always just to bring together the cool, smart, emotional, um, spiritual people together. Um, you know, we need to band together. We do, we do. So today is August 15th. Leo season. Are you guys vibing the Leo right now? It's kind of a crazy moment. It's a crazy moment. Um, Of course, it has to be said that Madonna's birthday is tomorrow. (laughs) This is this is kind of a a special holiday. It's a high holiday for for queers. For a lot of people. I remember it was for me as a kid, like my sister's birthday is tomorrow. Also, same birthday as Madonna. Um, and my sister used to get so upset when we were kids because I would make a bigger deal about it being Madonna's birthday than her it birthday. It kind of is. You well, know, what has, you know, when she was nine years old, you know, what, what had your sister achieved? <laughs> <laughs> was she your hero? Um, I mean, she's my hero now, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I remember just like being so excited. I, I remember one summer I made like a poster on construction paper, just glued some Madonna picture pictures on it and just wrote like, happy birthday, Madonna. And I just like held that in the car window as we were driving everywhere that day. It's crazy to think that Madonna, the last time she was in Montreal, she was here at the Fi Center partying yeah. uh, with like Arcade Fire and Diplo, I think. It's kind yeah. of crazy. So we are. I saw the ghost of Madonna coming here. Trying well, she's not dead yet. No, no, kind of. You saw her, maybe like um, a lingering aura. Yeah, a lingering you know? aura. Her, her shadow. Yeah, she it's leaves always... a little, a little speck of something everywhere she goes. It's always there. Um, we've been performing together for over a year, and I know performing for you has this like very special significance. It... Well, I mean, for for, for everybody, who performs... for every performer, but like I'm sort of. This is, I think, where we connect is is the, the joy of performing, the joy of bringing uh, yeah. you know, pleasure and entertainment to people. I mean, it's sort of a miracle that we even like came together. Like sometimes it's weird because there are certain people that come into your life and they change everything. And then you can't imagine 
what your life was like before that person came in. And oh, obviously, so you're that happy for to me. be that kind of person. You but I remember because we met not too far away from here. We were at a Christmas party, our mutual friend Puello's Christmas party, which was just around He's the corner. He's grand marshal at Gay Pride yeah, this weekend. Yeah, which is, amazing. is really amazing. Yeah. And I remember, I remember seeing you at the party and talking to you. And I remember you telling me that, you know, you wanted to do more stand up. And I remember just like, wanting to be encouraging and i was excited you for you so sweet um and who would have thought like, i saw in that i moment. had seen your show a few weeks before that your solo show yeah and during your show you were asking uh the audience which diva they like and yes. i think i yeah i know i screamed celine yeah and i was and repulsed you, the biggest eye roll i've ever seen <laughs> and I, I and i knew from that moment i was like i have to be friends with her that's so yeah. cute yeah and then we went to renee angelil's wake yeah just around the corner here at the basilica exactly because that was crazy and like to this day i'm still fascinated by that moment i still can't really get over it was live on facebook it was live to our thing live on facebook (laughs) and just celine greeting all these randos from the street just one by one for seven hours and then so i'm watching this at home and i remember messaging you and i'm like are you seeing this i think we need to go there i think we need to be there this is the craziest thing ever and we got there but it was too late it was too late but then we plotted our first show saint celine exactly and And then then the rest is history That was great. Yeah. That was great. Um, so doing shows together is, is how we started collaborating. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Chosen Family, we decided to incorporate stand-up. Uh, yeah. Because that's where we come from. Uh, right. Not ours not only our stand-up but just stand-up from friends and yeah and people and even like performing in general like poetry spoken word probably well i feel like if if anything is going to be our savior at this moment in time when we need saving um <laughs> very badly i think we kind of have to address just what's sort of going on yeah, right, now, right now because it's... i think that i think that silence right now is very irresponsible and we, I mean, not just me and you, but we, I mean, like our community collectively knew that election morning that we were being called to be warriors. Yeah. And I don't, I know for myself, it's not something that I ever wanted. I'm sort I'm a peacekeeper. I like things to remain calm. Yeah, no conflict. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I but avoid you conflict. Like the, but I do stand my ground, but yeah. I do avoid conflict and I'm definitely a creature of comfort. But I think that, this moment is asking all of us to seriously, in a real way, step out of our comfort zone, speak. Don't be scared to make mistakes. I know sometimes people are scared to speak because, you know, they might say the wrong thing or they might not express something properly. But just speak, just speak out against this vicious, violent hatred for which there is absolutely no excuse. And no excuse for and where i'm at right now like what i feel the most strongly about right now in this specific moment is just like stop with the justifications stop trying to understand Mm -hmm. where this hatred came from why these people are like that it's irrelevant because and what drives me crazy about people trying to explain it is that being a kind decent human being is not fucking hard it requires very minimal brain power. So when people start saying they're uneducated, they're poor, they're isolated, fuck off. It is not that. It's a fucking choice. When you are a grown person acting yeah. in violent hatred, you have chosen that. So don't expect my compassion. And I think it's time that, you know, we've, we've tried compassion and, have. and it has not worked in the eradication of hatred and bigotry, and we need to step it up. So it's time to squash this shit once it's and for all. It's very frightening. And also, it's not only in the U.S. It could very much happen anywhere else. Anywhere. We can't take yeah. anything for granted. And everyone, at least, I mean, the least that anyone can do is just speak out. Yeah. You know, just speak out. Let this, don't remain silent. Because inaction and passiveness in this moment and and ignoring what's happening or avoiding what's happening is so dangerous so don't do that it is dangerous yeah. it is i dangerous. mean i don't have all the answers obviously but i just like <laughs> i just get so enraged i can't even describe the rage because again for me it just comes down to that simplicity of the simplicity of being a good kind person it's so simple it's so simple 
Yeah, it is. People think maybe also that like social media will save us, which it won't. It won't. It won't. Um, but it is also. I mean, it is also has become the primary mode of communication for a lot of us. So I think it can't be discounted either. It's a weird moment. There's a lot that we have to figure out in terms of how what does action look like in this age of everyone being at home? Yeah. You know, but I, I think that people are still taking to the streets. That is powerful. That that is real. And we just. Have, I don't know. I don't know what is going to come together, but I know that I'm fully on board. Like, how, how do you think performing and comedy, how do you think that comes into play in all of this? Well, I think, um, you know, when I look at the shows that we've done together um, in their own little way, they're not political shows. Our shows are very pop. Um, but I think that some would say can be. Some would say can't be. I wouldn't say that. Um, but um, I own it. I yeah. I mean, I own it too. I'm not. I have no shame about pop or anything like that. Um, but I think that there's something about what we do. Maybe it comes from our intention, or um, I don't know exactly where it comes from. But there is something emotional about our shows. There is something about what we present on stage that is very life-affirming and unifying and it's palpable and i'm not saying this from any kind of egotistical place i'm not saying this like patting ourselves on the back i'm saying it like from also a place of just wonderful surprise because i didn't know that moments like that were possible and i think that what i feel on stage in our shows is just this this collective energy this oneness that I never thought could really exist. And so when you when you feel it, when you experience it and you know that it's real mm-hmm. and that it can exist in the world, it's so inspiring and I think that hopefully that's what we want to just do more of and create more and more of those moments. Yeah, so last month we performed that show Crazy Sexy 90s at Off yes. JFL. It was spectacular yeah uh, as you said the, uh, the the people who come to see our shows they're the best yeah they're the best that's they're why i don't smart, even like sexy yeah i don't even like calling them yeah. the audience no, and making that distinction because it. it's it's a whole yeah. it's it's it we are literally one so if you were there we got a bit from that show two bits from that show that we put together for the podcast yeah. and if you weren't there just listen to it it's bilingual it's french and english so if you don't speak much french um you'll get to practice um so let's roll OK. Stay with me. Moi, j'aime la nostalgie, mais je ne suis pas nostalgique. Parce que moi, j'ai un personal brand. Euh, moi, je suis, je suis trendy. Moi, je sais les choses qui sont maintenant, qui sont en avant, qui sont les mouvements, qui sont la tendance. Alors, je peux pas toujours regarder dans le passé. Mais notre amie Trana ici, par contre, elle vit complètement dans le passé. That's not true. Yeah. That's not true. But I fucking own my love of nostalgia, okay? Like, what does today have to offer us? Despacito? Uh, you can have your Despacito, okay? I'll stick with Fantasy, the ODB remix. <laughs> or, or La Macarena. Or La Macarena. We, let's not talk about that. Oh, my God. Aujourd'hui, j'ai dû googler pourquoi scientifiquement est-ce qu'on aime la nostalgie? Apparemment, c'est parce qu'on se sent bien que ça nous donne de l'espoir et de l'optimisme face à l'avenir. Mais moi, je dis, mais c'est du faux espoir et du faux optimisme. Ce n'est pas vrai, c'est irréel. Et, et apparemment, ça nous aide à avoir un lien avec les autres. Mais c'est un lien qui, je te connais pas. Pourquoi est-ce que les années 90 feraient que j'aurais un lien avec toi? No, this, all... no, this is real, OK? I feel like, you know... We were all, well, most of us here were kids in the 90s. We were alone in our rooms listening to Jagged Little Pill on cassette, <laughs> freaking out, just worried about how the fuck am I going to get through elementary school and high school and make it alive. And you guys, we fucking made it, okay? And now we're all here together. So yeah, this bond is fucking real, okay? This is like our reunion. Moi, j'ai juste peur de devenir comme mon père. Je veux dire, j'adore mon père, mais mon père... A... Pendant toutes les années 90, il a écouté un seul album, Dark Side of the Moon. Il s'est jamais rendu en 1995, vous comprenez? J'ai juste peur que comme j'arrête juste jamais d'écouter Space, tu comprends? That's okay. There's I'm no terrified. shame in that. I'm terrified. There's no shame in that. Okay, okay. Trigger warning. Madonna. Yeah! Now it's time to really get into it because the 90s were such an interesting time for Madonna. Like, so many crazy phases. And the 90s, 
kind of started off with Madonna at her peak with the Blonde Ambition tour, but then it all kind of came crashing down with the sex book and erotica. And recently, um, Madonna's privacy was violated and some personal letters were stolen from her archives. This is real. This is not a joke. This is not the actual letter. Um, The actual letter is going up for auction, but Madonna has just put in an emergency injunction in the courts. She'll take care of it. You know she will. (laughs) This letter she wrote in 1992, when her 1993 probably, when things were crumbling, to this B actor named John she was dating at the time. She's always had such great taste in men. Um, But the letter was really revealing in terms of Madonna admitting things that we have never heard her admit ever. Do you want to hear some of this letter? Up until now, I've always felt like I was unstoppable and could do whatever I liked. Now I have made so many people angry that I'm being punished and made to be quiet and put in a corner while other less interesting and exciting people are reaping the benefits of the roads I've paved. Such a victim. Poor Madonna. Such as Whitney Houston and Sharon Stone, who she called mediocre. (laughs) And then she says, maybe this is what black people felt like when Elvis Presley got huge. Do you want more? Okay, this is my favorite line. And I have to admit, like, when I first read this, I was like, is she out of her fucking mind? But then I realized that I actually find myself saying this all the time. (laughs) Everything I do is original and unique. (laughs) Madonna, I mean, that letter is just incredible. I know. It's her birthday tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we know. We already dressed it. Enough so, Madonna. So part of uh, the concept... Oh, well, we, I have, know, more, we have a lot we more. Have <laughs> lot more coming with, with her. Uh, part of the, the concept of the show is also to, to talk to people around the world that we feel are in our chosen family. Exactly. And for uh, sort of the first person I wanted to, to call is my friend Miguel Gutierrez, who lives in Brooklyn, who's like an amazing choreographer. I met him um, two years ago here in Montreal. He was here to present uh, a show. Uh, there, you might have seen posters of him around the city. He was wearing this like pink bathing suit, uh, right. with a beard, like blonde hair. Uh, it was an amazing show, and uh, I remember he was DJing a party, and I went to the party, and we started talking, and I was like, you know, yeah. I'm a social climber, so I was like, I want to <laughs> hang out with this guy. And it turns out that like we went for dinner on that Sunday night. Um, but it's so funny because now I do more comedy and right. sort of getting started. But like I remember a few years ago, I, I don't know if you know that, but I tried out to be a contemporary dancer. I I auditioned for the contemporary dance program at Concordia. I'm guessing that didn't go too well. Which was comedy in itself. <laughs> right, you know? I'm sure. Get, getting in that room, never really having danced or any like technical class. if there's video footage. There's no somewhere. video footage, but at the end of the audition, because I had to prepare a piece, at the end of the of, of the piece, the, the professor, the instructor asks me, she's like, so is this your first piece? But I never knew if she was like, this is so good, this is genius, you oh. never had, or this is so, so terrible bad. don't ever do mm. it um but it was fine i laugh about it and i uh, it brings me a lot of joy to think about it yeah. yeah so i called miguel this morning to know what he's doing and he's got a special project which is also madonna related awesome uh, yeah hey miguel <laughs> hey good morning brooklyn how are you how are you i'm good good are we recording already yeah it is recording it's oh. you're the first. Oh my call. god! Yeah, you are the first. Like so, the concept of our podcast is called Chosen Family, and we're calling family members, and you're my first family member that I'm calling. Oh my god! I yeah. How if we were if we were in like if we were rela- relatives like how would we like would we be like brothers, or would you be my? I dad? think we would be like. I think we would be. <laughs> I think we would be distant cousins having an incestuous relationship. Kinda, yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Hi, mom. Hi. So, okay, you need. I need. I need information. So, you are you okay. just back from Vienna? You were teaching there, uh, like a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was teaching and I was performing. 
And now you're putting on, and I I know you do more like obviously the contemporary dance work, uh, but now yeah, you're putting, obviously obviously I mean you're you're a world <laughs> class artist, and now you're doing this like, cabaret Madonna show at Joe's Pub. Yeah, Tell, yeah, I am. It's um, how's that happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the story? <laughs> you sound you sound so shocked. Uh, I'm not shocked. I'm well, just like it's it's yeah. you know you're a world class artist and now you're already amazing and you're doing this other amazing thing that I would not think you would do, which is really awesome. Well, I've been looking for a way to do a kind of cabaret e or music based show in New York for several years now and I have this amazing voice teacher who I go to who is like the voice teacher to the stars in New York. She's really amazing. And she she's been on my case about doing it also and for a long really? time I thought I would do Yeah yeah yeah. And I've performed at Joe's Pub actually several times with in other people's shows like John Kelly, Nick Hallett, um oh gosh, other people, Holcomb Waller and uh, you know, I I uh, I thought originally that I would do a show somewhere of like little songs of mine because I have like you know a backlog of a bunch That's of little true. weird songs that I've been writing over the years. <clears throat> and then, but that just hasn't happened, and had, for whatever reason, I couldn't get it together. And then earlier this summer, I don't even remember how the Sadana idea came to me, but it just came to me, and I realized okay, this is like finally like a really good way to focus my energy is to kind of accomplish all these different things I want to do. So it's only it's sad, like, sad yeah. Madonna songs. Is that it? Or you're taking happy no, songs and making them sad? Yeah, that's Cause, what we're doing. Because you, could do, cause you could do Ray of Light in a minor key and it would be terribly sad. Yeah, that's what's happening. It's a lot of the songs. We're just taking a lot, most of the songs that are, you know, there's a couple of songs that are kind of already sad. <laughs> Although, you know, when you start to, like, really go into the catalog, you're like, God, a lot of this shit is sad. Um, but uh, we're taking, like, you know, songs that are kind of traditionally more sort of upbeat and then transforming them into, like, dirges. No, not dirges. Just, like, you know, making them slower, sadder, minor in different places, yeah. depending. Or or more sort of folky. Um, there's one song, One Night, uh, that's kind of almost like Gregorian. So Which really song did you make like a Gregorian version out of? Into the groove. <laughs> oh, I need to see that. I need to. I need to hear that. Wow. But okay. The obvious. Really the obvious pretty. question is why only Madonna? Why Madonna? It's obvious, but uh, why not? I mean, yeah. I, think, I think you know, it's like it's sometimes like the title precedes the actual concept. You know, it's like, and I just thought Sadana. Sadana <laughs> like, is you know, it's sadistic. Me. It's sad. It's funny. <laughs> it's all, and all of these things are really Madonna. Are they really yeah, you? Are you yeah. sad and sadistic? I am definitely sad. I would not say I'm sadistic. Maybe to myself, I'm a little more masochistic. Okay. I'm a little more switch when it comes to okay. <laughs> when you're really going into that into that world. If we're gonna really parse it out, but uh, I'm definitely sad. I mean, I feel like it's like I'm like Mr. Melancholy. You know, yeah. I feel like my entire body of work. Is but that's about why I love you so much. So, oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, that's why we're kissing but you're sad and funny also. <laughs> Like a lot of funny people. Yeah, are sad, no, of course, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the heart of comedy is tragedy, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So that's happening yeah. this weekend. Uh, that's happening Sunday and Monday here in New York at Joe's Pub. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Another reason to yeah. to go down there. But I, I maybe, maybe that show will rescue your country and make people sane again. Hopefully. I think it's definitely going to be healing in some way. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to save the country, but <laughs> I think for the people in the room, there will be at least a temporary respite from the from the fucking nightmare. Oh, am I last curse on this uh, podcast? Yeah, yeah, you are. Oh, okay, yeah, Trana's yeah, cursing all the time, so don't worry about it. What the Canadian SEC <laughs> <laughs> rules are. <laughs> um, and Trana wanted me to ask you, so Trana Wintour is my friend. I'm doing the podcast with her, and she wanted yes. me to ask you... Yes. Course, what's the yeah she's amazing what's the um <laughs> what's the saddest madonna song what do you think what's the saddest madonna song in like that exists or the one that i'm doing both that exists <clears throat> and... that exists 
I actually find um, Substitute for Love to be like a really profoundly sad song. Off Ray of Light. Because what she's basically saying, say more than Ray Light, like off Ray of Light. Yeah, off of Ray Light. Yeah, because she's like saying like, I'm having a kid as my substitute for love. And it's like, Jesus. Which I think a lot of people do, but I feel like she's like, I mean, it's also actually quite a beautiful song. You know, and she's just kind of like naming, like I've had so many lovers, you know, like all this kind of like, tragedy of her love life which you know i have a lot of deep identification with madonna around that and then just being like so i'm just gonna have this fucking kid you know yeah <laughs> it's like okay no pressure lordis <laughs> you just have to completely satisfy save save your mother yeah gaping hole in my life oh my god around now life. we know why she so. goes to malawi all the time and in the show oh. and, in, and in the show what's the <laughs> and in the show what's the the saddest song I think the saddest song is actually going to be possibly Lucky Star. Oh, yeah. The version of it, the version Mm. I'm doing of it is like, is really kind of dark. And it might be actually almost like too dark just because it's so, and it's also one of those things, you know, again, when you take the songs, which actually have a lot of like hope or like, you're, you're so great or you're, you know, you must be my lucky star. I mean, it's like, which is a weird phraseology. It's like, you must be my lucky star. It's like, okay. It's still, still very and Madonna. Then, she decides. It's, she's really deciding and she's like demanding it, but like, there's always something sort of core, some sort of core, like desperation in the demand, I guess. Um, so that song has turned out to be quite sad. A lot of the songs have turned out to be like really beautifully melodic and, I think like elegiac in in a way, but uh, in terms of just like straight up fucking like goth sadness, I would say Lucky Star. Oh my god, I have to see that show. You have to do it again here, I here know, in Montreal or in New York. You have to tour that. It's gonna be I amazing. know. Maybe I'll take it on the road. Yeah. I, but I only want to do it. I want to take it on the road if I can take it with my my Slatinos, the back of singers, because they're just so wonderful yes. and they sound so beautiful. The Slatinos. And I, I'm, the Latinos, yeah, oh, the sad Latinos. Well, they're not all Latino, but you know, the <laughs> majority Latinos. So we're going with that. But you know, <laughs> great, awesome. Thanks for ca- taking the call this morning. I love you so much, and I'm oh, you're so, so happy welcome. you're in my chosen family. You yeah, we'll Thank Skype. You, we'll heart. Skype and and sort of do something that's not recorded <laughs> soon. I love you. Take care. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. So a few weeks ago, Jonna, we. Uh, met up with Jen Kirkman. Yes. She's our first guest. How crazy is that that we get this New York Times best-selling author, superstar, comedian as our first guest? How did you meet her again? I met her at the Hyatt Hotel just for laughs two years ago. And we just had a cute little moment and just kept in touch. And when we were putting this together, I think we both immediately thought we need Jen Kirkman. Yeah. And you message her and here she is. Oh, Trana, I'm so excited. Are you excited? I'm more excited than you. You are more excited than me? Of I'm, course. I'm. Yeah, this is the first interview that we're doing. And we are so lucky to have the incredible Jen, Jen Kirkman. Kirkman. Thank you, guys. Who can't oh take a compliment. I cannot. <laughs> have I been saying your name wrong? You say Trana? Trana, Trana. I say Trana, okay. Yeah, tra- like Anna Winter. Because Anna Winter, exactly. right. And I'm like, wait, should it be Anna Winter? I've been. I but just... some people do say Anna. Oh, but, I well. mean, I, I, I like it all always it's literally know. the best name but n- now trana in montreal it's starting to be like on a first name basis it's only trana like yeah. the winter is like <gasps> people are like starting yeah, yes. yeah yeah like it's so starting great. to be just like trana and you That's too amazing. i feel like it's jen yeah <laughs> really? like you're the only jen who matters well that is true <laughs> yeah i will not deny that that, that's amazing. So Montreal, mm-hmm. crazy. You come here almost every year, <laughs> um, every second year, every three years. Yeah, I came. Uh, I've only been doing this festival like a couple years, like four years. So I skipped it last year. Okay. I was in Venice. No big deal. Oh, <laughs> I just needed great. some me yeah. time. And then, uh, yeah, there's, I think this is my fourth year. But you posted about being part French Canadian, right? Yeah, my grandmother. Okay, is, so oh my god, maybe we're cousins, Jen. My great, <laughs> wait, my great grandmother. Her last name was, I say, Cordemanche, but someone was like, it's Cordemanche. Cordemanche, yeah. yes. Yeah. Say that again? Cordemanche. Oh, yay. <laughs> but um, I'm not related to Michelle. 
I mean, as far oh, as I yeah. know, I don't know. Oh, have you seen him perform? No. He's so Michel Courtemanche is like a, a famous comic here. Uh, yeah. Really famous in the eighties and nineties, and then he like sort of I mean, dropped maybe, out of the scene. Maybe we are. That would be crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's um. Well, we'll talk more about her later, but a lot of people are related to Madonna through her French Canadian heritage. Like apparently, what? Ma- yeah. Apparently, Madonna. Celine Dion and Ellen DeGeneres are all connected through the French because Madonna's lineage. mom is originally from French Canada. Like when she performs Quebec City, she's like, "This is my people." Like you know. Oh yeah. my yeah, yeah, god! Yeah. I'm like Madonna. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! This is so exciting. Do you think? How did she find did out? She... Is she got a 23 and oh, me or she, whatever? Oh, you know how she is. She would be like obsessed with like her lineage and like, yeah. Where she but yeah. Can I'm hoping like... that it would be more glamorous yeah, than yeah. French Canada. Yeah. <laughs> but calm she's down, fort, Madonna. She's, she's a Fortin. Fortin. These are really, really French Canadian last name. Like, yeah, Fortin. I'm French Canadian. What's your last name? Le Blanc. LeBlanc. Oh, yeah. Yeah, LeBlanc is more of a sort of like... Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, related to Matt. Exactly. That's pretty crazy. Wait, so, so could an average person... Who is Madonna? Find out my lineage going back to Celine Dion. Yeah, you could probably. There's yeah. all those like ancestry. And I'm afraid of those sites. It's better not to know. I think. You know. I want to know. Find I it out by wanna, chance. I just don't want to give them my info. I just feel like it's secretly a way to. Track I'm sure because it's so alluring. Yeah. You yeah. Know, to know where you come from, where your people are from, who you might, and be especially in the to. age of the algorithm, I feel like all of that information, all of that data, could just like you know. That detract you. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, there's something going on with that. So, but anyway, your mom. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me about your mom. Like, all in all of your specials, mm-hmm. all of your shows. I just saw your show this this week at Mainline Theater. Yeah. It was amazing. And mm-hmm. you just talk in your mom's voice, and it's hilarious. But it, <laughs> she seems so important in your life. She is, and I think it's a great. Um, well, maybe not like old. Th- Sorry, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I was going to say it's like I got a great female comic tradition to like imitate your yeah. mom, but mm-hmm. I actually got it from listening to Howard Stern really? because a big part of his show is talking about his relationship with his parents. And I think he has a really similar similar relationship with his parents that I do with mine where they were the focal point of his life growing up because of how he was raised. Like his mother was very obsessed with him and like – So he talks about them all the time and does their voices, and it's hilarious. And so I was listening to him before I started doing comedy, and then I – but I used to imitate my mom around the house when I was little because she always has a smile on her face, (laughs) but it's not – friendly right. smile. It's this weird just expression. And so she'll say the darkest things like – I used to have a joke in my act that was like – um, the neighbor, I have he, the newspaper is still on his front lawn, and he hasn't come out all morning. He could be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, it's just weird things. Like, is so she, she was, funny? She is, but she doesn't know not she is. Right. Yeah, and when right. she tries to be funny, then she is not, not yeah. funny. Oh, great! So she's important in my life because my sisters are older than me by ten and fourteen years. So when I was four, they weren't really interested in in me full time and my mom didn't um that is great though yeah i'm an only child that is great i envy that i had a, yeah. a very much only yeah. child experience i think that's why she's so important i mean not that my dad isn't but like he was working and so she i didn't go to nursery school so it was like me and mom my whole you know and her and, mom was french canadian her mom was french Canadian, but she's super boston right yeah and so my grandmother jeanette was actually super Boston too because she moved from here, Montreal, to Lowell, Massachusetts, like super working class, mill town. She was like one of the girls that worked in the Lowell, like, Mill factories at the time. Mill factories, sexual harassment, the whole thing. Um, So I come from a line of women that all their husbands died young except my mom. My dad's still alive. Um, who hate men and who are just like, <laughs> that is they're so great. pigs and <laughs> we're better than them. You know, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And do you feel like that that has found its way to your sort of attitude towards men? I think so. I yeah. think it's, I'm starting to realize it's in my DNA. Like, um, I never thought about it until, um, do you watch Transparent at all? Yes. Okay, so do you know that episode where they were like talking about the like DNA of like you can feel yes. your Jewish ancestors yes their pain their experiences yes and so i feel like maybe i have that with my grandmother because she had anxiety the same way that i did i say did because it it's not she never got it handled so she had it until the day she died and i don't live with it every day so and i just feel like it was filtered not only in her words to me which was just like it's fine you didn't meet your grandfather he wasn't a great guy men are terrible 
blah, blah, blah. Like, she wasn't like, men are terrible, don't have a relationship. Right. She meant, like, globally, like, just do your thing. Yeah. They're oppressors. It's horrible. That kind of stuff. So um, I think her words influenced me. But I, after I saw that episode, I started wondering if maybe there's some, like, karmic, there, I'm feeling the pain of all the women. Yeah. Like, my therapist thinks that, like, you sort of, like, carry the trauma of your grandparents or great-grandparents in your body. Yeah. Like, yes, you're that's, just, that's like, the Yeah, thing it's called about. epigenetics. Yeah. And oh, it's epigenetics? A, yeah, it's a, okay, it's a real thing. It's a thing. It's a real, um, it's something Another way to studied. justify how we are? That's amazing. I know. Yeah. That's amazing. Watching, I do like that. Watching you work is also, like, I feel like you need to do this because if you don't, you're just going to go crazy. You're going to die. Like I, I think feel, that's true. I feel that's how you are. And I really <laughs> love that. And I really love that because it's like I'm not wasting my time when I'm, you know, watching oh. you work. You know, I'm like, yeah. this is someone who needs to do this. This is great. Well, it's funny because I also say, like, I've been doing comedy a long time. And, and um, to do it for a living, like, you obviously have to work at it a lot. And so I didn't intend to start touring at the age I did. So I'm like, oh, I'd like to stop now. Like, I have a necklace line coming out in September really <laughs> based on this one I made this is over 40 and Amazing. it's coming out with like a real jewelry company um, and it's just a trial for a couple months but anyway I'm like if that did well I would totally just go do that or like if I found a bag of money I would just read because <laughs> I mean, comedy is a hard life people don't really I think so. realize that but I think you're right I do have to do it when I'm when I'm up there like whatever I'm saying I must say but I don't in general have to be performing right. all the time because I'm extremely getting lazier about it as I get older. Right. Um, but you're right. When I'm up there, I really need to be saying it. I really mean it. And the books are all like part of the, like the writing. I feel it's like it's constant. It's like the Twitter, the books is just a constant flow of like thoughts. Yeah. And a lot of people with anxiety struggle with that. It's just like you have so many thoughts. Yeah. There's so many things you need to talk about, address. And yes! I think in this time, it's like politically, you know, emotionally, all of these things. And like just like following your work, it's like, okay, wow. Like it's like a wave. Like, oh, what's, what's Jen's wave today? And like, oh, that's we're just, cool. Yeah. Well, I think too, like, Getting my anxiety under control now is like, although I put out so much, I do weirdly feel not like I have less thoughts, but that I love quiet time and being like, I don't feel like, oh, my God, what do I do with these? That's what I mean. Like, I like to express them, but I'm also comfortable sitting in it, sitting in my feelings. That's what I'm saying. The more I sit in my feelings, the less I have to say. So it's interesting that like, um, like I, not as you get healthier, you get less funny or less creative. Right, yeah. But like you just, there's less of a I must say this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Then you start getting interested. And a lot in of people things. would think of you as like the lady who has no kids, the lady who's like bragging about having like no kids. Yeah. Because you, that's a lot of what your work is about. Is just like you know, I, we I don't need to like conform to this idea of what a woman is. You know, at a certain age. I mean, and I, I think it's really. I don't mean to say that. I. I say, like, I just didn't want kids. It was yeah. a non-issue. I get that. I was like, it's such a relief to Yeah, to I just, that. like, and then just people started piling on. And then when I wrote about it from the funny angle of why do people care, then it became, like, this is your statement. I'm like, no, I'm trying to, <laughs> I don't, I have no interest in kids. So I don't even have an interest in talking about how I don't want kids. Like, kids yeah. don't interest me on any level. So I'm like... <laughs> I just don't want kids. And then I thought everyone would be like, great, and go away. And it made it bigger. It makes people react. Yeah, I know. Which is ridiculous. Like, I don't don't get any sort of, like, anyone sort of calling out someone on any sort of life choice. Yeah. That is always so strange to me, you know? And to always have to be in a position of defending something that is just a very natural personal choice. Right. Like, and some things I don't even think are a choice. Because, like, I feel like that implies that I sat down. I was like, pros and cons. I was just like... I it just d- was never natural. Dawned on me. Yeah, it just exactly. Yeah, and that and and also like like if any people having a child is you know there it's going to be like a sort of decision you know they waited everything but, and they, they didn't you know it's really yeah there's that the, other side of it too yeah. they should be weighing it yeah I think so but so you oh, like you that. must be <laughs> like who would you consider as part of your like chosen family like who do you choose to surround yourself with I was going to say. <laughs> People that I don't even know. <laughs> yes, okay. I Madonna's get that. my chosen family. Yes. Oh my god! Um, the other people. Well, my really good friends um, uh, that I actually met working at Chelsea lately. I didn't. It's interesting because I feel like your chosen family can change, mm-hmm. and that's something I'm learning. That oh, just because I met someone when I first moved to Los Angeles, 
maybe I was in a different place and this person doesn't work in my life anymore. And you think like you have to stay with everybody. And so Would Chelsea be in your, um, no, no, she was really. just a boss really, okay. you know, not like a, not in a bad way, but yeah. we just have a completely okay. different lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and she's not an intimate person. Okay. She's not a you and me, let's have dinner. Right. It's like, okay. let's have a giant party. And, you know, right. like okay. that kind of thing. I get that. Um, so my dear friend Chris Frangela and my friend Sarah Colonna, I feel like they're chosen family. They, I knew them from that show. And they're, they're both stand-ups. We're all the same age. Well, Chris is older. Um, and then I have a really good friend from college. Her name is Liz. And we kind of reconnected over the past couple of years because she lives in New York and I go to New York all the time. So it's these people that just get oh, – my best friend from growing up, Shauna. I might not even talk to her more than twice a year, but we get she each other yeah, yeah, and yeah. I get her and we have this, you know, I get her family issues and they're, they're just like, they're in my heart. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just like, I think it's just a bunch of, there's a few people from yeah. childhood and then a few current people. And then I think the world of comedy in a way, even though I was just complaining yeah. before the mic went on <laughs> that I hate staying at the hotel here because you right. just run into comics all the time. Yeah. But, um, but in general, the family of comedy. Yeah. Like it's just, so dysfunctional and yeah, so ama- it's it like is. it's like a real family. Well, I thought one thing that was really funny when you were in bed with Joan Rivers was oh. when I know when you said, um, "I try not to know other comics." <laughs> I, it was so hilarious and just so real. And in that moment, and, I don't even remember saying that, but I kind of feel that way. Yeah. I know I have a lot of friends who worry about like if they're accepted in their local scene and I'm like you don't want to be like just be right. your own thing like just cuz that's what people get so caught up on yeah. in comedy is impressing other comics. comics. Yes. I mean I feel that way yeah. if I heard a comic was at my show yeah. I would right. die. I mean I didn't I you told me you I would only die if there was like certain comp like if you were at my show I'd be nervous I would yeah. want it, but it would be Depending a good kind who, of nervous like yeah. I would want to well be, being doing comedy as a queer people both of us it's just like I we sort of like it's this new time where we can do it but we're not I don't feel like I'm really part of it you know and it's something that's new part of for, the comedy world part of the comedy oh, world I think we're in this position where and I'm I'm sure this has been the case for you too where you sort of have to at a certain point can't wait for doors to open you can't wait for people to see you or like you or understand yes. you and you have to create your own space and own that space and and open it up to other people that want to be a part of it it's just daunting sometimes it's like it's all on your shoulders when it's you don't have work. that like mainstream industry backing or interest yeah but this is what you have to do in your life it just all falls on your shoulders to make everything happen and i assume there's so many people that have been dying to hear your voices you know like that they don't know your you know what i mean like they, they find you like you find your right. your audience and they're like oh thank god it's just been all these you know same old same old right the whole exactly time. but yeah it's like how do you get yeah them to find you is the hard part it's the too. really hard part yeah but once you do it's like you don't even need this these yeah, mainstream you, people they it's you look back and you go oh they didn't have anything for me ever right do you feel that now a little where bit. you're at i kind of found like I want more of them. I know there's more out there. Yes. I know there's more of my people out there. It's really like pulling teeth to yeah. find them. It's like step. I remember opening up um, on the road as a feature act in 2008 for Greg Barrett. Do you know him? He's so funny. He's great. Um, and he wrote this book. He's just not that into you. He wrote. He okay, was a, yes. Yeah, he was a consultant on Sex and the City. He got the book right. deal. He's nothing like that. He's like a San Francisco comic. He talks about like rock and roll in his act like rock and roll it's like 100 but <laughs> that was just like a pure fluke but he sold out all these clubs that year right. because women were coming yeah. to see that guy and he thought his whole act was like I'm not I don't have any advice for you ladies like it, but they enjoyed his comedy anyway but he said to me these people might not be back next year because they like the book they don't he goes but there's 10 people here tonight yeah. that will stay and be my fans and then that'll grow and that'll yeah. grow and that always stuck with me so it's right. like even if it's 10 new people a year in each city right. like it'll grow and grow and so that's I feel like I'm always marketing which I kind of enjoy yeah. um us too. Yeah, I used to do sales, and so it's it's like fun. <laughs> I used to work at this at Boston Ballet, and I did group sales, and like tried to get people who wouldn't otherwise be interested in going to the ballet. Like we worked with like inner city kids who like never had the opportunity to even know, you know, stuff like that. So I I loved I love selling. That's a big yeah. element of comedy. Yeah, because like people could stay at home, watch Netflix, or and watch your special on uh-huh. on Netflix, but. And 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 but to have people come out watch live comedy at a, like a seedy downtown club. To, to some that watch some people they don't know it's like a big element like what's into their well I was talking about this last night with my agent because he was saying like he thinks the younger generation 
if they know you from TV, um, he was talking about another client of his is really well known, but like the young people that like this guy don't necessarily come out. Right. Because they're like, well, I see you on TV. And I'm like, oh my God. That's why at my show, I make people turn on their phones yeah. and take my picture yeah. and tweet about it. Because I feel like, so if I'm in Minneapolis and there's someone who's like, Jen's in town. She's great. I'm not going to go. I mean, that's happened to me. I've been in Vermont and this girl, like I was in Burlington at a little farmer's market. And she's like, oh my God, are you Jen Kirkman? I'm such a fan. I'm like, I'm performing tonight across the yeah. street. And she <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, well, cool. I have a good show. I'm like, Okay. I know that drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm I'm always saying if you're going to stalk me, yeah. buy a ticket to the show. That's the least you can you do. You have the same thing that I do because it's so funny because when oh, so my whole point was if I can if I'm in a town and then I tweet a picture, if someone says I went to the show, it was great, that's gonna make that person go. Right. Who's gonna sit on their butt? They're like, oh, people are having fun. But I have that same spirit that you do where when I was on Chelsea lately, uh we all started to get recognized a lot and I it didn't do anything for me. Like my friends would get excited from the, sh- you know, they'd be in the airport. Oh my god, I got recognized. I go, where's how does that affect your bank account? Yeah. What are they buying? Do they buy a CD? Do they buy? The- I don't care if someone recognizes me on a yeah, yeah like exactly. recognize yeah. my you know website that has my stuff you can buy. Yeah. Recognize that, please. But it is getting it is getting harder to mm-hmm. get people to come out to a live show, and to me that there's nothing more horrifying than the idea of there no longer being that live experience. I, oh I feel God. like it's the last thing it's that we have. It's the, it's the last thing that brings us face-to-face with one another mm-hmm. to collectively experience something, you know? You know, I think I worried about this when the internet first became, in like 2004, mm-hmm. when like YouTube came in. I was really worried about this. I was like, comedy's over. And then it got better because of the internet. So I think... I think it's going to be okay, especially like seeing how many people marched and stuff like that. Like people yeah. are still leaving their house. Yeah, I think it's going to be okay. okay. I think they need they need this world. And I feel like this is going to sound so like Norma Desmond, but like <laughs> the crowd is sort of becoming a chosen family. Exactly. For yes. Me, oh, that's really us the too. Us, yeah. It, it really feels like I. I mean, I don't want to be anyone's like therapist or anything but I, like i do a podcast and people seem to relate to it and i don't get letters like thanks for t- i still forget that it's taboo to talk about certain things for cer- certain people still don't want to talk about depression or anxiety right. or whatever and i'm like what i'm just so but i you know i've always lived in just like cosmopolitan right cities yeah and, and th- so i feel like when i can picture that I, that I know, I don't know who's exactly in the audience, but I know someone wrote me a letter once that maybe they're here or someone right. like them is here. And yeah. I feel like if you guys didn't like me, I wouldn't have a job. So it does feel like, well, not that family is always supportive, but it feels right. like yeah, what healing. family should feel like yeah. supportive. Yeah. There is that moment, like when a show is just so right and everything is working and everything is clicking, that mm-hmm. connection is so unbelievably powerful. Yeah. There's really nothing like it. But did you think that, like, when you were that girl working at DKNY, (laughs) (laughs) carrying carrying Joan Rivers' memoir in your purse, like, do you ever think back to that girl and, like, is this sort of, like, is this surreal for you? That that story's crazy. It's like, you were, you just moved to New York. Yeah. Working at DKNY and you ran past Joan Rivers' I had her book. I'd been reading, I'd read her book years before I started doing comedy, Enter Talking. It's a great memoir. Everyone should read it. And then... I carried in my bag because I was a very dramatic. I mean, when I first started doing comedy, I left. You're Virgo? Virgo? Yeah. What's your rising? Do you know? Virgo. Oh, you're uh, Virgo, Virgo rising. I think so. Oh, wow. That's, I think so. Yeah, I have okay. to double check it. But um, if not, it's Capricorn. Okay. But I went to. So Comedy Boston less than a year. Then I moved to New York. I've only been there a year. I'm already like, why aren't I famous? This is so hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like a jerk. It's 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 like it's I, the late nineties. Yeah. Also. And I'm like, oh my god, this is so hard. I don't even know how hard it's going to get. And so I had Joan Rivers' book in my per in my bag always, just as like a the way someone carries a crystal or something. Yeah. It's like my touchstone. <laughs> and her book is all about struggling and comedy and yeah. not making it for 20 years. Something in me knew you're going to have the same path. I mm. knew in my heart you're going to have the same path. And so I always wanted to meet her. And I, she was never performing anywhere as far as I could see. And there wasn't really websites yet. And right, yeah. I walked past her on the street. We were the only two people. And I was like, don't bother her. Don't ask her for advice because she would just say, keep doing it. Yeah. I can't complain to her. Or, or worse. Yeah. She would have done, yeah. Like, I don't think she would have Give even up. said that. Yeah. yeah. I can't. Com- I couldn't complain after two years when her book was about how long it took yeah. her and she didn't feel part of her community. She was, right. it was all dudes and 
one of the only people that was nice to her is Lenny Bruce. Go, can you imagine like doing being a woman doing stand up in New York in the sixties? And just like this is like we think it's hard today, but like I know it must have been like it's a completely different the expectations yeah. and you know just I don't think in, I would have been general. able to handle it. Well, I think the 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 like shot of luck of getting on Carson, but it was the gay community that kept her yeah. going. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were the only people laughing at her and coming to see her and stuff like that. So it's like I'm sure that is her chosen family yeah. in a way. But then you got to meet her. And then and I be got to meet her. her. And be, well, yeah. I mean, she was like a... I think she was being nice to me, which is great. Like, it's what you want. <laughs> I think she was like humoring me. And, right. But, um, yeah, so I got to do In Bed With Joan, and I didn't tell her about that moment. Like, I knew... But the greatest thing about doing that was she... You tape it at Melissa's house, and it's like they makeshift... Well, it's, it's a real bedroom, but right. they, you know, make it into a set. And she goes, I don't talk to anyone on camera. I'm off camera. I, I just go into my thing. I'm like, oh, I won't bother you. Yeah. She had no idea how much I loved her. She didn't pick me to be on it. It was like a last-minute cancellation of my manager, but it was all perfect. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was all perfect. And I happened to be on hiatus from work that week. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Because um, Chelsea and Joan had this big feud, which was really stupid on Chelsea's part. And so I was like... I couldn't have said, can I leave work for the day to go do something with the river? So it was kismet that this one day (laughs) I was free. And so the airplane had just crashed in San Francisco. The like... On in the bay on the water, yeah, it was like the Asian pilots, yeah. and and they had just sent those fake names to the news, and they read it out loud, and it was like "We Too Low" was the name of the pilot, and all this stuff. And I don't know what I said. I made a joke to one of the crew guys while they were testing the lighting, and I wore a dress that was making the camera go crazy, Marae or whatever the word is. And I think she felt bad for me about that because I was like, "Oh, I wanted to wear this dress for Joan," right? And they're like, "Well, sorry, you have to change." And then I was like, "Oh," and then I made a joke about the thing, and she looked up from wherever she was, and she goes, "You're funny," <gasps> and she goes, "I'll." I'll screen test with you and she's got in bed with me and the whole I don't talk off camera went away yeah. and then she's like I'm like I only have a t-shirt she's like I'll give you one of my feather boas and she gave me it <laughs> oh, and then wow. she gave me it and oh, you kept dream. it no when I walked out one of the crew guys took it I'm like I swear to god she gave it to me she and gave they didn't it believe to me. you they were just like we need to you know she oh. gives everyone everything we're oh, taking it back oh, I'm like oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of like the crazy old ladies I was giving things right. but she did I think Sarah Silverman said she gave her a coat right but um but yeah so I got to meet her doing that and then I said to her we were both going to be in Montreal I was and I was like I think I'm doing your gala and she was like I don't even know my schedule I'm like my parents are seeing you at Foxwoods Casino next week which right. is in Connecticut yeah. and she's like okay they'll be my guest and she <laughs> her assistant arranged all this stuff so my parents so your mom met Joan yes. Rivers that was my one question yeah. Jen. I was like I really want to know if Jen's mom met yeah. Joan Rivers mm-hmm. she did but you weren't there to witness the meeting no so they got front row tickets and Joan made them feel really special she's really good at this yeah. and so she came out and was like where are the Kirkmans I gotta meet the Kirkmans <laughs> and my mom looks really young for her age like she really doesn't have any wrinkles around her eyes and she's in her 70s like she's just you can see it other places but Joan was like if you had work done oh my god who does your work you're beautiful and it was like you know she's hamming it up yeah, it yeah. but because Joan's parents never supported her I think she assumed mine didn't but at this mm. point they do right. like maybe at first they were a little freaked out but she was like your daughter's way. just everything you want Joan Rivers to say to oh your parents about she's wow. great she's gonna do well she, duh. and Joan had taken me aside and was like you're gonna do well uh, you can never stop. Like, it was all that kind of stuff. Like, people aren't going to get it. You can't stop. Men this, blah, blah, blah. And so my parents were just in heaven. They're, that's it. They're, they'll do whatever she says. They'll right. follow her off a cliff. But yeah, she was amazing to them. So I will never forget that. My mom, oh my God. This is kind of a funny like, story. When she left the, the show, did she call you? Your mom? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, so this is the best part. So when she died, I just, oh, I don't have the voice anymore. My mother, oh, we lost up. <laughs> you have two Jones in your life. The, me, your mother Joan, and your comedy mother Joan. And Your I'm mom's so... name Joan? Yeah. This is too good. Well, my mom's <laughs> name is Joanne spelled Joan. Okay. And right. she used to hate when people called her Joan. But after she met Joan Rivers, <laughs> she's Joan suddenly. <laughs> so you jo- and, you know, and, and so she's crying and crying. And then a week later, two two weeks later, my mom had to get... Some kind of minor surgery on like her hand or something, and she had to go under anesthesia. And she was like, I told the doctors I was friends with Joan Rivers. Don't you do to me what you did to her. These old women go under and they die. Like, she, I was like, it was really please dramatic. do not scream. Was I was so friends with dramatic. Joan Rivers. It was so dramatic. <laughs> Crazy. So, you're obsessed with Madonna. 
Yes. You are? That's crazy. So we just did a show that's called Crazy Sexy 90s because we grew up in... We're 80s kids who grew up in the 90s. I saw that. I wanted to see it. I wish you could have seen oh it. I God. wasn't it was here. It was such a blast. Oh. So, it was like this cabaret show that had like music and dance and sketch and just everything. And it was just so powerful because all everyone in the audience was basically around our age and had yeah. grown up with the same sort of cultural experience. And it really felt like everyone that night was just like reconnected with their inner child oh, and it was so just like everyone together and we know? had a bit about madonna and how conflicted we are today about how you know how she is like we i, I really idolized her in the 90s and you also remember her from the 80s yeah so do you i was have, like, like a, little a favorite kid. oh the favorite era is yeah. blonde ambition the f- oh, oh yes oh yes just in her yeah. prime <laughs> yeah. and with the like just the out those suits like I when know. she went on Arsenio Hall with like mm. just that white pantsuit yes. and the oh it's the best and the era. keep it together finale <gasps> and yeah there it's so, it's good. so oh good. you should watch the documentary about the dancers oh we did, did you, okay yeah. did you cry no but I don't okay. cry really at movies. Okay. It really got to me because I thought like we'd heard everything we needed to hear about that time, but there was still so much. I know it was like everyone had HIV and wouldn't say anything. I know. It was so crazy. Like, wait, what do you mean you're conflicted about Madonna? Because Today. she's unraveling. That's what I love about her. She's the new Joan Crawford. That's what this is what I love because I had heard that she was like, I'm never doing social media. That's for losers. And then someone got to her and they're like. You have to if you want to keep relevant. And I love that I follow her on Instagram. And it's her like, manager, yeah. And it's like her in Africa, her at home. Like, I like seeing the real her. I don't. Oh! <laughs> I don't. I don't like seeing the typos. I don't like seeing. I don't like because to me, growing up, she was like the smartest, the strongest, um, the most fearless. I think and this I is all part of it. But she's she's so insecure. I love it. And she's that. really and she's really not that smart. No, you know, in a business a, sense, but yes. That's but that's amazing. Like that insecurity and vulnerability. Like she's finally being. But she's that so part unaware of, of it. I think she's aware. You, I do. Yes. I don't think she's aware of her weaknesses. Maybe she blocks it out, but she must know she feels insecure, right? I guess it's kind of like kids who like you knew you were gay, right? Like, yeah, you know? she's just not that self-aware. I don't, I don't know. know. There's a great thing on YouTube where she's answering questions from the audience. I love that. Yeah, yeah. but you can see a rat in the. I know, what which the is crazy. Fuck is that? It just it goes to show no matter no matter how far you get in life, there's always a fucking rat in the background. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah, there's always a rat behind you. For anyone listening, there's this thing where she's in her bathroom, bathroom which, which is, is like a like, living room. Yeah, it's like a mansion, <laughs> and she's answering questions on YouTube, and then there's a there's rat, a, yeah, that, that, that runs by, yeah, exactly under the under the that window. Is- in New York? Yeah. Mm. yeah I, so I don't get, but I mean, yeah. you know, she can just move if. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't worry about Madonna. No, it's fine. Uh, but anyway, her thing with trying to be funny is very upsetting. Yeah. But really... see, the thing is, I remember this from long ago when she was friends with Sandra Bernhardt. Yeah, and they went on exactly. Letterman. It's like she's never been funny and she really wants to be. Exactly. We really just want to be something we're not. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we want to be pop stars. Yeah. Me too. I, would, I want I think... to do the Blonde Ambition tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should. <gasps> Let's be... remount it. Do you guys sing? I she do. Sings. Oh, you yeah. do? I, I don't sing. sing. I dance. Okay. So oh my god, this is perfect. Yeah, yeah. You can and be, I do a little of both badly. You can be Donna DeLore and you yeah. can be Nikki Harris, yeah, yeah. even though you're as Wait, white. you're Madonna in this? Yes. <laughs> no! <laughs> so Jen, oh my we, god. Have, we have a few. We just <laughs> chosen something, just top of your head. Uh-huh. Uh, chosen family member. <laughs> I'm going to say Joan Rivers is my chosen second mom. Amazing. Um, chosen TV shows from the 80s. Family Ties. Fem- oh, yeah. Moonlighting. Producer, yeah. Um, chosen Madonna song, just one song. Even more specific. Just first thing that era. comes to your mind. Rebel Heart. Oh, wow. The Road Less Traveled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> chosen Summer Memory. Public Pool growing up. I loved it. <laughs> yes, yes. And Chosen Luxury. First Class. Oh, great. Amazing. <laughs> this is it. This has been the interview. You've oh been my amazing. God, I love it. Thank you so Jen, much. We love you, you so much. Can you so do much. a side podcast that's just about Madonna? We could. We would be. Well, we've sort of like positioned ourselves as like the pop cultural savants of Montreal. You know, people yeah. turn to us when they well, need to I... know what to think about all these <laughs> figures. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'll come back on sometime yes. and we'll just only well, talk part about of the Madonna. Family. You're part of the family. Oh, thank yeah, you. you're totally. You so if you want to be part of our family, yeah. of course Absolutely. I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, thank you. We thank love you, you so much. Love you guys. Thanks. Obsession. Obsession. What are you obsessed with? What am I obsessed with? 
We're back, Trenna. Oh my God, meeting Jen Kirkman was a dream come true. I know. I love her so much. She's just so wonderful and fun, and in the moment, I love her. How do you feel about Madonna taking over the first episode of Chosen Family? There's been so much Madonna. I know that wasn't intentional, by the way, dear yeah. listeners. That was not intentional. It just emerged, and I. But it is natural at the same time. It, Madonna, I think, at least for me, was the first. You know. artist that I really identified with. So it kind of makes sense that the first and, episode ended up being so much about her. And my first obsession, certainly. Yeah, we're certainly. very obsessed people. Very obsessed, yes. What are you obsessed with? Um, well, at the moment, I'm kind of embarrassed by this obsession, <laughs> but at the moment, um, I'm kind of obsessed with Kurt Cobain, which I know sounds so cliche and ridiculous. And I mean, he's a kind of Madonna in his own way, just in terms of popularity. For straight guys. For, they yeah. love Kurt Cobain. But I don't know if they realize that he was so, like, um... against the system and so like anti-homophobia yeah. and you know oh, I, right. don't, yeah. i don't think a lot of his okay. audience realizes that um but for me it's not so cliche because i do not listen to that kind of music <laughs> like no doubt tragic so kingdom pop. well no doubt tragic kingdom is about as hardcore as oh, i'm ever going to get um but i watched this documentary um called montage of heck which was made a few years ago And I was drawn to it when I saw the trailer because it was sort of about the dark side of fame, which is a theme that I'm oh always God. drawn to. <laughs> um, and so I watched the documentary. Obviously, I know who Kurt Cobain is, um, even though I, I don't know his whole story and know very little of the music. Um, but the documentary was just so incredibly well made. And they had access to all of Courtney Love's archives of all the notebooks that he kept and all his drawings and doodles and tapes and the way that they... integrated all of that into the film and animated it was really stunning but i was very haunted by him as a person and the way that he moved through the world just this total empath and who just absorbed the sadness of the world and could not it makes a lot of sense it. knowing yeah. what happened to him yeah and i just it's interesting to see like the home movies of him when he was a kid and you can just you sense that that he was doomed from the beginning. And I think some people are just born in this moment with some kind of cloud over them that just never really goes away. And what I think is interesting in terms... Well, one of the things that's interesting in terms of fame as a sort of monster concept, whatever, um, is that it, it's at least what I've gathered from... other people other famous people's interviews <laughs> is that it basically amplifies everything that you yeah. already, you know, organically are. So... Kurt was already this like very sad kind of person and I think that fame experience mm. just amplified that and it was just too much um, and I do kind of feel haunted I don't think he was necessarily that great don't get mad at me to white <laughs> straight guys listening to this if there are any um, but a very fascinating story interesting interesting pick is yeah. he's kind of like the opposite of my is i mean not the opposite or very different from my obsession um who's an artist that's playing our launch celebration this saturday at the fi center yes so i'm for, so excited for that yeah it's a party uh we're gonna have music we're gonna do a short set very short uh we have a surprise video yeah that we're gonna premiere on, on saturday it's just and, gonna be a blast it's the perfect way to yeah. end the summer and so one of the artists that's who's playing uh their name is awful they're a dj uh producer singer um and i've seen them dj a few times and you know like trana we are soulmates comedy soulmates yes. musical soulmates but i have to say awful has like amazing amazing music taste uh, i they, know i looked at awful's instagram yeah, account yeah. and saw all of their vinyl finds because i'm like a vinyl junkie too so yeah, i yeah. get it so they uh and they have amazing musical taste and they've had their own production project uh produced in their bedroom and uh, there's one song Um, so we're going to leave you on that. Do we have anything else to say before we no, leave? We Go made on. it through the first we episode. We made it through the first episode. We're so happy. We're back in two weeks. Uh, follow us on the socials and follow Fi Center. We have an Center. incredible guest, by yeah. the way, that we just confirmed. So hold tight. Yes. So BB by Awful. Ciao, bye.
Chosen Family was recorded live at Defy Center. And we're so lucky to be working with them. They're the best. We're live on Facebook every second Tuesday at 11 Eastern. Follow Defy Center on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow us too. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Don't we deserve it? Thanks to Ghost Love for all the music. Thank you for listening, sharing, and laughing. We'll see you soon. You're family now. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.